Good morning and welcome back to the Under the Scope podcast, where you can kick us under the scope all you want. We won't shut up. <laughs> Moving on, not yeah. one of my best intros. <laughs> I'm not um, quite sure what kicking under the scope is, but I'm not that, sure. that, I like the wordplay at least. I saw the song title Under the Table and I'm like, I'm going to make this pun happen, uh, regardless of how natural it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. That was pretty good. Thank you. I I literally just replaced table with scope and called that a good joke. And uh, that's okay, you know. Pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> Not every joke can be a winner. Um, I'm uh, I'm Will Brost. I'm your host and uh, co-hosting and West Coasting, as per usual, my good friend, mm-hmm. Patrick Anderson. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. Good. Super excited for this. Yeah, this was... Um, I mean, this is the rare album release that feels like an event bigger than an album mm-hmm. release. Um, so it's it's very, very exciting to talk about. Um, and part of that hype is the uh, critical reaction, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, we're discussing the new Fiona Apple record, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Fiona Apple is a legendary singer, songwriter, and pianist. Fetch the Bolt Cutters is her fifth studio album, her first since The Idler Wheel, all the way back in 2012. Um, A long wait in between albums isn't particularly new for Fiona Apple. This is her fifth record, her first being in 1996, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. So she doesn't always have a ton of content out there, but it's always a big deal whenever she releases an album. Um, Critics and fans are absolutely raving about Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Uh, Most notably, it's the first album to receive a perfect 10 out of 10 from Pitchfork since Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy in 2010. Uh, We'll dive into this 10 out of 10 rating a little bit later in the episode, but for now, the only opinion I care about is yours, Patrick. Uh, This is the... that's sweet. You bet. Uh, (laughs) This is the consensus album of the year at this point. What say you? I mean, whew, mm. I can understand why. Uh, okay, I can understand why people think it's the album of the year, and you know, at this point, it's really hard to compare any other albums to this. Mm. Um, just out of the gate, I don't think it's like as perfect as. Um, a lot of people are making it out to be but like that being said it's like this album is fucking great um i you know i i i I don't have like that many issues like there 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 are things that i want to that we'll talk about but yeah i don't know i mean like when you're asking like album of the year status already it's hard to say it so i'll basically say at this point i'm kind of like it's not a definite. So I guess that means that I'm not totally with the hype because most people are like, Oh, it's a definite album of the year. Yeah. I, uh, I mean this, this album is, you know, fucking great. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, I album of the year, I'm not quite there yet. Um, but it's, you know, certainly in my top five right now and, you know, maybe by the end of the year, I would say that, yeah, you know, that that'll maybe change by the end of the year. Maybe it'll rise. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so much. It, this is the kind of album that if someone does say it's their album of the year, I'm not like, 
oh, why do you think yeah. that? You know, <laughs> like this is. Yeah, that was that was kind of what I was trying to say. It's like, yeah, I, I totally get it. Yeah, there there are plenty of clear, you know, evident reasons to love this record, and it totally deserves any sort of like ten out of ten rating it gets from Pitchfork or from anybody, really. Um, just you know, the the biggest takeaways for me here, obviously, are you know the powerful lyricism and you know song content. Uh, the percussion is outstanding. Uh, mm-hmm. The piano is nice as well. I love uh, Fiona Apple's like really tense, uh, sometimes like wild might be a strong word, but you know, they're kind of all over the place vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's yeah. a lot, lot to enjoy. And I'll put some nitpicks, you know, later on in this podcast. But uh, I mean, God, this album is, it deserves the hype. Yeah, I I would agree with you there. Like, even though I'm not like totally on board with as you know flawless as as most publications have have stated this, it totally deserves it. I mean, it's it's not it's not anything that is you know it's not so I don't know it's not so like outside of the realm of how I feel about it that I would be like, no, that's kind of overrated, you know. Right, yeah, I would definitely never call this album overrated or say anybody's wrong for saying it's like the album of the year or anything. Because mm-hmm. um, this is also yeah. the the rare kind of album that has a huge like resonance and impact outside of just oh, this is a really good album that I like. Um, mm-hmm. Like this is like uh, to pimp a butterfly blonde levels of like impact um yeah that's true yeah especially for like particular groups of people obviously um but yeah i mean it just when okay so pitchfork and i'm not gonna make this about the review yet but when i saw the review it was at like 1 30 in the morning and then we had a quick text exchange mm-hmm. like <laughs> yeah like right. hey let's do a podcast on uh, on this album and um when i listened to this album i listened to it immediately after I got off work, um, I normally listen to records, you know, while I'm at work just to, you know, I don't always have the time to separate work hours from music listening hours. And it's nice to have something on in the background as I work, but this album, I was like, okay, I, I I don't want any distractions while I listen to this for the first time. I got off of work immediately, just laid in my bed and listened to this for 51 minutes or whatever. And while it, uh, didn't resonate as like a 10 out of 10 record, it uh, it was a pretty like memorable experience just that first listen and uh, a couple of gut punches here and there as well. Yeah. Um, even if I didn't fully capture all of the different, you know, uh, song meanings and song content uh, on my first listen, there were some obvious moments that just kind of get you right in the feelings even during your first listen. Um. Yeah, I mean, so, I'd be shocked if you were able to, to to pull out all of the meaning in one lesson. <laughs> right, because there's, I mean, there's so much, and that's the, the yeah, big exactly. strength of this album is the uh, the content, the lyrical content, um, all the different song topics. Uh, this is a pretty multi dimensional album in, in terms of uh, in terms of content. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of uh, songs about abuse, uh, songs about um, relationships. Uh, but there's so many different angles that Fiona Apple approaches these subjects with that no 
two songs really have the same message, uh, and I I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, even though oh, yeah, go even, ahead. even though I, I I like to add on to that, like even one of the like key elements of this is even though a lot of tracks have similar subject matter, primarily like I, I would say having to do with sexual abuse, you know, ro- like verbal and emotional abuse within relationships, things like that kind of fucked up things within relationships and especially like referencing a lot of um, elements of the Me Too movement and, you know, believing women when they're talking about sexual abuse and things like that. Even though like there's a lot of content that is referencing that like across tracks, she manages to like make everything very distinct and uh, poignant like across the board. But, like songwriting wise, like I mean it's that that's like you said that's the strong point of it. I I mean like that's probably flawless as far as I can tell. The songwriting elements to this. Yeah, I have no complaints lyrically. Yeah. Uh, across this entire record i i really don't i was actually going to save this to final thoughts but um lyrically i mean it's flawless and i think the last album i could say that about was the uh the purple mountains record last year Mm. um just and obviously different different albums for very different reasons but i mean just right from a strict like how much i appreciate the lyricism on a record um both are just top notch um Let's get a little specific. What are some uh, specific songs that maybe like stood out to you? So the intro track is one that definitely like still stands out to me. I mean, it's like one of the best intro tracks. It's probably the best intro track that I've heard all year and Mm -hmm. one of the best that I've heard in a while. Um, but I love just the, the way that the piano like just climbs and goes like up and down and up and down and her Fiona Apple's lyricism on this, like we said, fantastic, awesome. Mm. But also her voice is just like, golly. And like, she really brings that element to the the rest of the album with this really raw, um, just really raw, almost like, uh, angry kind of, um, emotion to her voice. You can just hear it. I love how how forward she is like in the mix and how like how much that they they don't like compromise on how angry she sounds. You get what I'm saying? Like you can really feel like all of the meaning behind uh, what all the meaning behind what she's saying by like how she's delivering it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the vocals um, are a huge standout, not only on this song, but on a lot of others here. And like you said, the raw aspect of it, um, the anger is just, it's interesting how they approached it because this isn't, you know, Fiona Apple isn't screaming uh, on this record or even like yelling yeah. loudly her anger. It's more of like a, it, it's more like frustration. You can hear a lot of tension. Yeah. Um, this is being like, fed up with yeah. all, like all this all this stuff she's talking about is you can just see that she's just sick of it like that kind of exactly anger. she's just like fucking exhausted of her yeah. experiences and the experiences of others um and that's it it makes for such a captivating like vocal performance even if she isn't 
trying to hit Adele type notes, you know, like it's not that kind of vocal pop record. This is a, a different kind of singer songwriter record. Um, hmm. I agree. I think, I think the intro song, I want you to love me. Uh, it's a very good song. Um, and it kind of, you know, it, it's this interesting, uh, way to start the album with this song that's about, you know, um, wanting somebody to love, uh, which is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, you know, all of this abuse that she goes into later in the album, she still wants someone in her life, you know? Um, death is a big part of this song as well. It's just kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm. death is inevitable. It's a part of life. But I guess she says, while I'm in this body, I want somebody to want. Um, just a, a great, great message and a great start to the record. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, uh, I love how she puts that too. Like uh, when she's, talking about that she's like, I know when I go all my particles disband and disperse and I'll be back in the pulse like just that imagery is really powerful and then you know like you said it, it feeds into the the existential desperation of like regardless of all this frustration and all this you know uh, just all the subject matter that she's talking about and how sick of it and how much she wants things to change. She still wants at the end of the day, somebody to love her, you know, for who she is, which is interesting. And you're right. Cause it's like, it starts off this way. So you're like, you don't get that context late until later on about how much she's dealing with throughout the album. And then this has more meaning when you go back to it. So at, I love I love the intro track. I think it's great. Yeah, no, just to piggy off your point, and then I'll go to one of my favorites. Um, it, it is kind of interesting on that second listen because you do kind of go through a lot of her experiences throughout the record, and then as I'm listening to this song a second time, I'm wondering, like, how could you still possibly want somebody in your life? You know, after yeah, right. after yeah, exactly. all of this, and it's just it's fascinating. Um, so one of my favorite tracks here. Uh, is actually the very next song, uh, Shamika. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll kind of touch sonically on this one first. Uh, this is one of the catchier songs on the record, uh, an album that doesn't have a ton of catchiness on it. But I love the the pianos that are, once again, kind of climbing up and down. Um, there's this dramatic dun-dun-dun of the piano that I really like as well. Uh the percussion is incredible on this song. Uh, there's a, a moment where, I guess a couple of moments where the piano cuts out and the focus is primarily on Fiona's vocals and the percussion. And at that moment, the percussion kind of kicks into this different rhythm um, that I really appreciate. It's like just a brief moment, but it adds a lot to the track in mm. my opinion. Uh, I, I found the content pretty interesting. Uh, this is about a girl named Shamika that Fiona Apple knew in middle school or grade school I can't remember um but Fiona was getting bullied uh in part from you know kind of the the popular girls in her class um you know like she would try to be friends with them and it 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 wasn't really working out and uh, Fiona was kind of down and Shamika this girl that Fiona Apple wasn't really friends with said like it kind of cheered her up in a way. She said, like, you have potential. Like, she recognized mm-hmm. Fiona Apple's self-worth um, at a time when, you know, she, she needed to hear something like that. 
Um, and I like the lyric on this song. She says, uh, Shamika wasn't gentle and she wasn't my friend, but she got through to me and I'll never see her again. It's just a nice reminder that, you know, sometimes people with a small role in your life can end up leaving a huge impact. And I just like the any songwriting that takes just a small interaction and kind of explores the grander impact of that interaction. I I'm, I'm, I always love songs like that. And uh, this is a brilliant song yeah. about that. Yeah, the self-reflection aspect. Yeah, this one is like uh, kind of a... <laughs> like a masterclass in showing how to write about, you know, self-reflection because it gets the point across so effectively and, um, relatably too, Mm -hmm. because it just shows like, like she, she not only like, you know, reflects on this person in her life that kind of like, you know, for the better was there in a really terrible time, but like focusing on the, bullying and like what it was like what it was like for her as a child like it the imagery that she uses like when she's walking to school and grinding her teeth and like just crushing dead leaves just to like try to like you know keep her mind off of things and stuff is so like it's subtle but it's so powerful like it Mm -hmm. and, and just the way she talks about being at school and how like not being afraid of the bullies made the bullies worse. It shows like just how, you know, cruel kids can be sometimes yeah. because they're, you know, and, and some, you know, for the most part, I, I don't think, you know, with bullying with kids, it, it's not like usually something that kids have that much control over because they're trying to figure stuff out, but it's important to like show that aspect of it. And I think she nailed it because like kids, you know, kids can be like that and it can affect you in the long term so much. And like this song is is so affecting in that way of uh, of her really showcasing like how bad of a time this was and, and that showing how important of a person, you know, this Shanika person was. Yeah. And it's uh, I guess in the grander statement of Fiona Apple's life, it, she mentioned in an interview that this was one of the first interactions that kind of hindered her relationship with uh, other women, um, you know, just because right. the other girls in her class weren't necessarily receptive to her. Um, so it, it kind of plants the seeds of this sort of like distrust, I guess. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny, like we're talking about our favorite songs and we're just kind of going in order here. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, like the one of my other favorite songs is the next track the title track. well there you go there you go <laughs> well I, I was gonna say this too on, on like during this is like one of the one of or probably my favorite part about this is the first three tracks mm. are perfect mm-hmm. they're like it's a flawless transition the like the each track is extremely distinct they're some of my favorite tracks on the album. It's perfect. That this is exactly how you start an album off. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Uh, I agree. That's a, another great track. And this is kind of where I wanted to mention the album title um, because this is obviously the right. title track. When I saw the album title, my first thought was, well, this is kind of short. 
you know, Fiona Apple is known for these <laughs> these right. long poems that she uses as album titles. This was just a four-word album title. Um, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, you know, I kind of looked into this on uh, Genius. The movie The Fall, uh, there's a scene in which a character says, Fetch the Bolt Cutters to the police uh, in order to release a girl who's being tortured. Um, and so Fiona Apple... Uh, talked about this uh, album title in a uh, Vulture interview. She said, it's about breaking out of whatever prison you've allowed yourself to live in, whether you built that prison for yourself or whether it was built around you and you just accepted it. Uh, the message in the whole record is just fetch the fucking bolt cutters and get yourself out of the situation that you're in, whatever it is that you don't like. So some of that manifests itself on the tracks we've already talked about. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, it, it's all over the record, but you know, as unique and different as these different song topics are from one track to the next, there is this overarching theme. And I think I love the album title uh, for that. I, I wasn't really sure going in what Fetch the Bolt Cutters meant. Um, but this is a great song about that. Um, anyway, you go into uh, what did you what did you like about it? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love that aspect of it. Like, of like one just where it came from that's a really cool like thing to pull out of such a powerful uh moment in a movie hmm. um and and like to kind of twist it into like making it all about like instead of like this real aspect of like literally cutting somebody out of a uh, of, of some place that they're being tortured at flipping it into an internal uh, way where you're torturing yourself and you need to literally just slash yourself out of it um, by just, you know, cutting the, you know, getting the bolt cutters and cutting the, yourself out of that cage. Love that. Um, but I love the instrumentation on this. I like how, like, subtle it is on this and how it, how much it focuses so much on her voice and the lyricism. Like on the previous two tracks, it things have kind of like gone from like, you know, one to twenty really quickly, right. and it goes all over the place through that. So it's kind of like this roller coaster of volume and emotion and things like that. This one like kind of brings things down a little bit, and um, you know, just focuses a lot on the verses, and you know, we hear a little bit more about the bullying and that she went through when she was a kid. Um, and then about like just all, all these aspects of her, all these like external aspects and internal aspects of her life that were so, you know, negative and have affected her in a way that's caused her to basically close off against other people or not trust herself or whatever. I love that. I, I think it's just like this track is, so it's so relatable and it gets the point across like very well um the lyricism is poignant and effective and smart and i mean there's it's great yeah yeah and i agree uh there is a lot of minimalism in the instrumentation on this record and i think that's intentional in order to kind of showcase uh the lyricism and kind of put fiona apple's vocals in the spotlight because that is the real the real story of the record is here. Um, 
the minimalism uh, can be a bit of a double-edged sword at times for me and and i'll get into that a little bit later but here i think it really works well um love the relaxing instrumentation the vocals are quiet as well mostly um Mm -hmm. and something else sonically i really liked for whatever reason is uh the dog barking uh toward the end of the record um right it's weird that i think a lot of people would see it as unnecessary maybe um to me i kind of took it as this sort of again just another expression of like frustration like this sort of caged animal feeling you might have um i I don't know i just kind of saw this dog barking as like a personification of like a an anger i i guess i'm not really sure um but i liked it and for whatever reason i think it fit sonically (laughs) like i i wasn't like baffled by it when i heard it um so yeah i think and it's kind of funny because her dog's got uh credits album credits on the uh like uh, the producer credits at the end oh as, as they should good quality performance uh you know yeah by those <laughs> yeah, dogs exactly <laughs> it's funny because you you look at the producer credits and it's like barking done by and then she lists <laughs> her dogs and it's like yeah i could have guessed what the barking was done by <laughs> i mean i know um, fiona has I, a lot of vocal range but i didn't think she was the one barking there yeah. <laughs> That would, yeah that would be that would be interesting <laughs> um but um yeah that's interesting i i kind of looked at it a little bit more as like honestly kind of like freeing you know like how mm-hmm. dogs are a little bit more uh, dogs for the most part are kind of taking things as they are and they're not too like i mean you know to a certain extent but mm-hmm. for more so than people at least they're <laughs> They're a little bit more in the moment. They're a little more like excited about things and ready to be part of things. And I think that like that addition was kind of like that. I, I felt like it was this idea of like these dogs, you know, they don't care about like what's really going on. They want to be part of part of it, whatever it is. And I thought that that was like a cool addition into this, you know, while she's talking about all this like terrible stuff. Um, these dogs just kind of decide to be part of whatever she's doing. I and it kind of gives. I yeah. I was gonna say I really I really like that interpretation. Um, and as honest and open as Fiona Apple has been about the content on this album, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an explanation as to why she included this dog barking. And I think it would be funny mm-hmm. if the answer was just, "Oh, I really wanted my dogs on the album, and so I had them bark." You know, that's <laughs> that's possible too uh, with her. Yeah, that would be that would be funny. It's like I just like the way that my dog's barking sounds. <laughs> that would be great. Um, if, if there isn't anything else you'd like to say about that song, I'd like to kind of briefly touch on my oh. number one favorite uh, on this album. I was, I was gonna say, uh, I also like how like I don't think obviously this was intentional at all, but just how like fetch the bolt cutters. I've been in here too long is like <laughs> weirdly relatable to this shelter in place that everybody mm. is going through right now it, i just it, thought you know it's obviously no, there's no like external meaning for that but it's just kind of funny yeah the timing of this album has been interesting even when i looked this up on wikipedia one of the first things they say about the record is that this was released during the 2020 coronavirus pandemic and many critics have appreciated the timeliness of this record's releaser 
you know, something to that extent. And so, I mean, yeah. I don't know if this timing was intentional on, on that, but there is a lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, lyrical interpretation that could be related to uh, how we're all experiencing yeah. this uh, pandemic right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. And it's a, definitely a memorable, a, a memorable aspect of it. Yeah, it's like uh, this album will surely be the album that kind of defines the the coronavirus pandemic in a way. Um, I think of every yeah. album released during this time. I think this will be like the standout record. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Yeah, so so far to begin the record, we're three for three. Um, mm-hmm. I I, li- I like a lot of the other songs after that as well, but I kind of wanted to skip to uh, newspaper, which is my favorite song on the record. Oh. Okay. Um, so this one, it's again, I'll, I'll, I'll start sonically cause I think lyrically is more important. I kind of want to set up for that, but there is a really nice atmosphere and tension of this song that, um, is a bit different than the atmospheres on a lot of other songs here. It's this, I guess it's moodier and darker. Um, it's kind of weird to say darker given a lot of what we talked about, mm-hmm. but I think this is one of the darkest songs on the record. Um, and it features everything else that makes these other songs great. The great percussion, uh, the background vocals, and her vocals. Um, and one thing I love musically is that the tempo picks up as the song progresses. Uh, her vocals gain intensity as the song progresses. It's one of the only songs here that like, I see a huge sense of progression from. Um, and that's, I guess, kind of a slight against the records uh, in, in, in a way. Um, but I love what this song um, is doing lyrically. And it's an interesting kind of perspective of, I guess it's Fiona, another man, and another woman are kind of the three characters in this song here. Um, and Fiona's kind of like a third party. She's observing the other two she knows the kind of terror that this man is capable of, uh, you know, the kind of harm he can inflict on others. Uh, so she says something like, I grew concerned when I saw him start to covet you. Um, and she says, I wonder what lies he's telling you about me to make sure that we'll never be friends. And it's this mm-hmm. sort of like Fiona is a concerned friend in this song saying like, you know, watch out for this guy because I know what he's capable of. And it's a nice kind of juxtaposition, uh, especially that lyric, I wonder what lies he's telling you about me to make sure we'll never be friends. It's this idea that like men are contributing to kind of pitting women against each other in a way. Yeah. Um, and that's a nice kind of great album placement here because the next song, Ladies, uh, is the song that's all about female unity not letting men pit us against each other or you know keep keep us separated from each other letting men control the narrative um and i think that's a nice back-to-back combo it's just newspaper is the one that stood out to me as my favorite song here so i don't know what you thought about that song but yeah i i think like if we were going to compare newspaper and ladies because they have similar uh subject matter ladies is my, uh, my like choice of the two. Oh, okay but lyrically lyrically i think i like um newspaper more it's just like 
instrumentally and like the the choice of like kind of doing semi acapella ish, you know, um, instrumentation. Uh, it's hard to say instrumentation with that. I don't know. You you get what I'm saying with that, though, right? Right. It's almost uh, maybe too minimal uh, or sparse or. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not. I mean, I I I like that the focus is so much on the lyrics because the lyrics, like you said, you know, I thought you broke those down really well. They're really powerful, and I love how much that it's like, it's basically just a narrative. There's not so much like. Um, there's not so much like simile and and imagery and you know things like that on here no metaphors really it's really like a letter basically and i love i love that those kind of lyrical choices uh nick cave does that a lot where he's basically telling a story Mm -hmm. um so but fiona in fiona apple's case she's like reaching out to this person and being like look this is what was going on with me love that aspect I think it's just this, like, usually I don't care for, like, aca- just solo, mm-hmm. like, acapella sound as much. Mm-hmm. Because it's just this thing of, like, um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's just it, it's just kind of an annoying sound to me in certain ways. I think that you can do it well, but it's just this, it, it's this thing of, like, hearing hearing overlapping voices and nothing else in between a lot of times for me especially if it's done just like throughout an entire track it just gets grating mm. um this is and, one of the longer songs here too boring to me too yeah what's that like to your point this is one of the longer songs here so if something is kind of grating yeah. you it, it's it's one of the longer songs here so you're gonna have to listen to that a lot you know yeah, exactly. It gets a little boring by the end, I think, um, instrumentally. That's but, fair. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but like, I don't I don't think it's bad by any means because the the lyrical content on here is some of the most important on the album mm. and some of the best written, I would say too. Yeah, no, I I agree with a lot of that. Um, have we talked about your favorite song yet? I mean, yeah, I honestly, like, I, I go between, like, uh, tracks on here, like, as it's hard to pick a favorite. Um, Fetch the Bolt Cutters is sometimes my favorite, but Cosmonauts mm. is one that I wanted to talk about, too. Um, because which, you're a big space like, fan. Yeah. You're big <laughs> into really astronomy. That's yeah. right. <laughs> she could have called I, the song I, anything I, else and you would have been out. Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't really listen to this. I was just like, oh, Cosmonauts. That's my favorite track. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, but I I this this track I I love. Um, I again I love how how grand this thing is. She's so good on this album of just like bringing out just this over the top instrumental aspect while also kind of maintaining this like intimate sound of like you feel like you're in a room with her while she's doing it. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, goes to the, uh, the fact that she was recording this in like, I think she was in her beach house or something, mm. uh, when she was recording this and you can tell because it doesn't have that like refined studio sound to it. It has a little bit more open air to it. Mm. Um, but cosmonauts is a great example instrumentally of that, you know, by the end of it, when she's just chanting, 
start it off, start it off, start it off. It's just like it goes like just over, you know, waterfalls over and all the instrumentation just comes crashing in. And it's great. It's fantastic by the, you know, and then she goes into the end uh, or brings it out in the end in a very quiet way. Love that. Pretty formal, like, song structure, I guess. I mean, it's hard to say that with Fiona Apple, but I would say that this one might be one of the more, like, traditional songs, if that makes sense, on here. Yeah, um, totally. Structure-wise. Um, so, yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I love the subject matter of this, too. And I love just the imagery of just, like, of you and I will be like a couple of cosmonauts except with way more gravity than when we started off. So like this team, you know, they're in this relationship and they're this team. They're going through so much together and experiencing like this awesome stuff, but also this really, really hard to deal with, um, of, you know, these hard to deal with aspects of life and just being a long-term monogamous couple. Um, so this like way more gravity than when we started off just this weight of just like, you know, having to deal with somebody else for a long time, you know, whether or not you love them or not, it's just that this inevitable weight that starts building. Um, yeah, love that. Lo- love this track. I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah. That's a great, great lyrical breakdown. I agree. Uh, the long-term monogamy aspects of the, the lyricism I found particularly interesting um, again, she mentions in that Vulture interview, you know, she, she mentions that this long-term monogamy is something that she thinks is possible because she sees it happen, obviously, uh, but it's not necessarily something she wants. And, you know, it's another one of those things where maybe her experiences has kind of framed her, her view on like a yeah. long-term monogamous relationship, you know? Um, yeah. And, it, and I, it, yeah, go ahead. I think she captured that. I think she captured that really well too, because it's like, you know, especially, especially with saying just like, you know, except with way more gravity than when we started off, not saying like, you know, they're going to kill each other by mm-hmm. the end of their, <laughs> you know, relationship, but that like a, a monogamous relationship is possible, but it's just like, you got to know that like how much will just keep building up as you go and you know be able to deal with that and i think that she captures that idea really well on this yeah and uh you know something else on cosmonauts i wanted to mention um she originally wrote this song for the movie this is 40 apparently uh it's like a like a judd apatow movie um from 2012 (laughs) and that's kind of wanted what i wanted to mention it's been eight years in between album releases she wrote this song in 2012 uh the chorus on relay she wrote when she was 15 um it's it's a a takeaway for me is just how incredibly cohesive this record is despite being written essentially over the course of her life i found very impressive this isn't just like she was in a one mindset for the past couple of months and she had this cohesive product it's like you know this song was written in 2012 this one in 2016 this one she thought about a long time ago but it still somehow all comes together in in a cohesive package and i think that is maybe being a little understated um but i think it's something that's really impressive 
that's a great point it just goes to show how good of a songwriter she is and has been for you know <laughs> apparently her Forever. whole life yes yeah. <laughs> you know um 15 years old writing relay like one, jesus <laughs> yeah one of the best like lyrical songs on the entire record in my opinion um you, mm -hmm. we could talk about every song on here um i did kind of want to mention one more song before we kind of transitioned um yeah so this is another song that i love and i'm interested to see what you think about this because maybe it's a bit polarizing and this is another song that has these sort of layered vocals um for her i i thought was a pretty mm. impactful song for me um so this is a song that uh it begins with these like fast-paced vocals these layered vocals uh this rhythm that once you think you grasp the rhythm it changes uh it's just kind of this multi-dimensional rhythm to the entire song a couple of hard breaks and transitions in this song and one of these transitions uh breaks into this lyric where she says good morning good morning you raped me in the same bed your daughter was born in and that to me was like the most punch in the gut moment during my first yeah. listen um just such a powerful bridge and not only because she's out outwardly mentioning rape but i i really like the uh like the juxtaposition of okay so you raped me in the same bed your daughter was born in it's like a a juxtaposition of life being given and a life being taken like in a in a sense right like mm -hmm. um and i just found that imagery so like like i don't know memorable and, and captivating um it is worth noting yeah. that this is a song um in you know again through this interview this is a song about someone else's experiences um talking to other women um and i think it's right. cool that fiona apple has this platform that other women don't have um and she's willing to like share the stories of of other people who have gone through abuse so i, I really like that aspect of the song as well but instrumentally or i guess structurally it is a bit polarizing so uh, what did you think mm -hmm. yeah um i'll just talk structurally instrumentally about it first um i i don't care for the beginning mm. um instrumentally it's just like i i think that it's a little predictable for me because mm. <laughs> it's about the most acapella right. uh, aspect of this album. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I like the rhythmic aspects of it. This is the thing, like Fiona Apple does like a lot of acapella moments. I keep saying acapella and it's not, I, I don't have the right word for it because it's not like totally like, you know, like mm -hmm. pentatonics, like right. <laughs> cheesy. Thank like, God, yeah. You know, you get... But it's it's just layered vocals and mm -hmm. you know she does it, she does it really well and it's like this rhythmic aspect that she has to it is is interesting. It's just like it gets boring after a little while and I and I kind of wish like I want something a little bit more textured to kind of bring or maybe not even textured something a little more smooth like smooth things out and like bring things a little bit more. I don't know. I don't know really what I'm trying to say. Basically, it's just like I get kind of bored of the acapella is it, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and that's totally fair. I mean, you like what you like sonically and you don't like what you don't like. You know, that's not, you know, I mean, yeah. it's totally fair. Um, 
But to be fair, Fiona Apple is one of the few artists that has made me question myself on like why I really don't care for it. So to that effect, she did a really good job because, you know, I, I'm like, why don't I like this? The lyrics are awesome. The, the rhythmic aspects are pretty good. Why don't I like this part of it? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, she accomplished that part. Yeah, it to me, uh, I don't know, it was just uh, one of the more standout songs in that regard. Um, I mean, maybe it's stood out in a bad way for you at some moments of it. So you like the instrument, the instrumentation, though, on this? I do. I, I really do. Um, oh. And that's something I, I guess we can transition into. Uh, you know, we both mentioned we're not we're not on the 10 out of 10 uh, with this album, and you already kind of mentioned a couple things you don't like. Um, I'll kind of transition uh, to things I don't necessarily you know, care for about the record. And these are ultimately kind of my, like, I love this album. Um, and so these are mm -hmm. the biggest issues in the world, but for her, a reason why I like the instrumentation so much is because it, it is like a welcome change of pace for me. Um, I think as much as I love the instrumentation on a lot of these songs, the percussion across this album is just incredible, but I would have liked more instrumental variety from song to song um some of the instrumentals mm. kind of blur together or kind of get lost and you know in the grander scheme of the record for me so when something like for her or even something like heavy balloon comes up it's like a nice change of pace because it sounds like again strictly sonically something i haven't really heard on this record to this point um if that makes sense yeah, that makes sense. I, for I, I agree with you. I think that like one aspect of it is there's some like sameness instrumentally that gets like that causes things to get lost. Um, but my thing for it is like those acapella vocals when they show up. I'm like, okay, like you know, this mm -hmm. this doesn't add anything else. It kind of makes the lines a little blurry. But also like you know while the in, while the rhythms are really great on this, um, I think one aspect of this is like there's so much going on, especially towards the back half. Because honestly, the first half of this record is like, I mean, it's pretty much flawless for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, but the back half of it, there's some aspects of like rhythmically um, that like it it gets so sporadic and so like um they're different from each other but the same if, if that makes sense like mm. you you understand you're going to get a complicated drum pattern on this song next to this song next to this song and it starts to lose a little bit more of its meaning i think towards the back half of the album um so i kind of wish like heavy balloon is a great example of a song that like and cosmonauts as well that like has aspects to of that but it like it really like tones it down and brings in a whole new element of just like smoothness or you know grandiosity or something like that it's this loose structuring of like mm -hmm. rhythm and kind of like the you know the pounding on the tables the that kind of like element to it the diy element that i don't really care for as much oh, the diy elements are are a little bit like they get like I, I think that it's a good addition for the most part but I think that there's too much of it and it just starts getting a little boring towards the end if that makes sense it, it does make sense um, 
I actually love the the DIY elements um, to the record. I, I guess they work for me. Uh, you did mention something about structure, though, and, and I, I agree with that. Um, there are some moments here that structurally I am a, a bit, uh, you know, not, not super impressed with at times. Um, I'll take the song Relay, for example, a, a song that I mentioned earlier as mm. one of the best lyrical moments on the record, right? I wrote down, you know, I like to write down some of my favorite lyrics. I basically wrote down every lyric of the song. I think they're all great. Um, <laughs> right. But a, a part of it is because there, she really only has three different lyrics on this song. Um, it it, it kind of repeats itself lyrically throughout the five minutes. Um, and so while I love everything about this song lyrically, it's like, okay, this is getting a little bit repetitive, or is this song progressing at all over the five minutes um, musically? I, I didn't really see that. Um, so I was wondering kind of the, the structure and the intention behind that. And there's a couple of other songs that also I feel like maybe were a little underwritten uh, from a from a sonic perspective. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so I think that, that's just like, something I noticed here and there, but overall I think the songwriting's really good. It's just kind of a slight nitpick here. Yeah. No, th that is a good point. I think that, like, from what I got from, like, the repeating elements to the lyricism was, like, kind of, like, almost like a mantra. Mm. Mm -hmm. But I think Relay, like, On I Go is an obvious example of that because it's literally just the same lyric being repeated over and over and over again. And I think that it, it does a pretty good job of capturing that, um, like, element of just, like, pounding the meaning into your head. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? And just kind of saying it over and over again until, like, you understand it and it loses meaning at the same time, which is a cool idea. But... I think Relay is a good example of like trying it out and it's not quite landing as, as well as it could have, mm -hmm. but like being a great effort, like regardless, because the lyrics are, are so good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, no the, the landing was like almost stuck perfectly. <laughs> right. And, and it's a song I, I still really like Relay. Um, it's just, I can't not notice that as I, as I'm listening to it. Um, and yeah, I, I, I would agree with you on that. I guess since you brought it up, the last kind of quote-unquote negative uh, I'll bring up, um, again, just kind of like a minor nitpick, my least favorite song on the record is that final track, uh, On I Go. Um, and I actually really like the concept of this song. Um, as you mentioned, it's this mantra, it's this sort of chant. Um, in real life, it's not in real life. I, I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> this album is real life. It's not like it exists in this. But it, it, yeah, she sang this song. Yeah, right. Yeah, like it's just a separate thing. Um, but she actually sang this chant to herself um, when she was in jail one night. Uh, she mm -hmm. she sang this to like calm herself down um, while she was sitting there, and I, I really like how. She included that as the closer on this record because she has all of this like anger and frustration, uh, this tension throughout the entire album. And then she ends it with like, okay, all right, I'm going to chant this to myself in order to calm down because I'm feeling a lot of emotions right now. And so I really like that aspect. Musically, though, it's, you know, it's not anything really impressive here, in, in my opinion. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate that it does kind of like that happens to be the closer on the record. So I'm kind of left with that as I'm done with the album. Um, but again, just an overall, like nothing that breaks the album in terms of quality or anything, but just something I, I, I noticed. Yeah, that's a very good point. Cause I, I, I agree with you on that too. I think instrumentally it just kind of suffers a little bit, but that's, that's an aspect to like pretty much all the tracks that like I have negative feelings on the ideas are conveyed like pretty much exactly like how I would like them to be conveyed. And I like that. So I'm able to get past instrumental moments that I don't like more readily than I would on a song that wasn't so like geniusly written. Mm. But um, there are still, you know, those aspects to it that I'm like, eh, you know, it's not as, it it, it 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 just not as there's like that 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 other side of it that's not as impactful as the lyrics are right it, that's a good way to put it yeah it's the lyrics to me are so impactful i, I wish that like the music kind of matched that all the time and yeah. it just doesn't at at some moments um mm-hmm. is there anything else about this record you wanted to mention as like a dislike um let me look at me. Sorry, I just like, no. You're fine, and maybe and that's kind of part of it, right? It's, it's having to like look at like, oh, what didn't yeah. I like, as opposed to like, oh, it's I super know. obvious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is true. Um, oh, I mean, under the table is another example of. I I don't know. I I I don't want to harp too much on this, like you know, lyrics versus instrumentation. But mm-hmm. I think under the table is an example of. Uh, instrumentation not matching up as as well as i like as well as the lyrics do because the lyrics are awesome on this and they're uh some of the more memorable ones i I would say i mean you (laughs) you literally like named our our podcast or like introduced our podcast (laughs) today with it i thought we agreed we wouldn't refer to that joke ever again uh to kick off the pod (laughs) No, it's for it's for following you forever now. <laughs> but it's another aspect of like this um, kind of basic piano line that is rhythmically again interesting, but kind of adds like uh, it doesn't add much other than being an instrumental. If that makes sense, it feels a little bit too bland in certain ways, and then. You know, when it finally does pick up, there's a little bit more, there's a little bit more um, emotion and and thought, I think, behind it. But there's still this element of like it not quite having as much meaning as the content of the song does. And I think that's just a, an important aspect of of uh, of this record. You know. Yeah. Well said. Um there is a dramatic like da on that song with the piano um outside of that i kind of agree the instrumentation was a little bit too vanilla i, I suppose but yeah the lyrics yeah, that's what, once that's again good... are incredible um so i mm-hmm. i end up it's actually one of my favorite songs on the record because of the strength of the lyrics um so yeah that's the thing too i think it's probably you know one of the most memorable ones for sure like it's not my favorite but it's definitely one of the most memorable songs on here Mm -hmm. um 
let's uh we're about an hour in let's oh, oh yeah go ahead I was going to say really quick, one of my favorite vocal moments are, is on Heavy Balloons with the I Spread Like Strawberries. Yeah. The way she sings that is nuts, and I absolutely love that aspect. So I just wanted to point that out. It's like a small thing, but the way she – like the, the anger and frustration and just all the emotion behind that I Spread Like Strawberries line is – amazing yeah it's a great example of her vocals just going in like you're not sure where Mm -hmm. they're headed um a bit of like chaos to it um as well but a ton of like rage in in the way she says that and i think it's awesome um vocally she's very versatile on this yeah yeah no it's a she that's the thing her vocals are kind of as expressive as they are they're also a bit subtle as well and they kind of um Mm -hmm. suggest a different you know, I guess there's kind of a, a subtle layer to how she's delivering her her lyrics on this record. Um, right, yeah. So I, I kind of wanted to, you know, I th- there is a, a huge reaction to this album. Um, you know, this is the album that everyone's talking about right now. Um, and, you know, obviously, we're the kind of people that, you know, we don't agree with Pitchfork all the time, but we do follow the website pretty closely. Mm-hmm. Um doing what we do you know um yeah what what did you think about the uh the 10 out of 10 from pitchfork and the uh the impact it might have had i mean it's it's crazy like seeing now the the amount of influence that pitchfork still has Mm -hmm. over music listeners and uh the blogosphere in general because over the past you know, 10 years since they last gave out their 10 out of 10 to Kanye. Mm-hmm. Um, they've changed a lot. I think they got acquired by Condé Nast in that time, mm-hmm. and they've changed a lot, and they've started um, kind of developing that villainous aspect to um, a lot of, like, the, especially within, like, the indie head community and, like, a lot of, a little bit more, you know, underground music listeners that they they started developing kind of the sellout mentality or this you know basically people don't like them anymore Mm -hmm. but everybody pays attention to them and i think (laughs) that this 10 out of 10 that they gave you know as much as people want to like talk shit about pitchfork and be like oh pitchfork sucks they're the worst they're the worst music reviewing site on the on you know that that's out there right now Seeing them drop this and seeing how much buzz it caused in the you know music head community mm-hmm. just showed me that like it, they're still there. The same people that were you know super excited about the ten out of ten that they gave Kanye and were reading Pitchfork every day and discovering new music for, from it, they're still doing it and they're just doing it a little bit more jaded way maybe. But it's like I, I thought that was pretty cool in a way to see that. I have, you know, complaints about Pitchfork mm-hmm. on my own, but I thought that that it was honestly really cool to see that like them dropping a ten out of ten is just as iconic as it was when they did when they did it for Kanye. Yeah, no, that's that's fascinating because Pitchfork isn't the only site to give this album a perfect score, but it's the only one. We're, exactly, it's the only one we're talking about. And you know, you're right. Pitchforks, like their identity or how I guess their perception has changed over time as like 
oh, now they're, they're too poptimist or, um, you know, this album by the strokes or whoever, they would have called this best new music back in 2003 and they're not anymore. And so they've lost touch with the indie community, you know, stuff like that. Right. Um, and again, there are complaints, but you're right. I did not expect this to like take off at, you know, people that are tweeting about pitchfork. I did not expect at all. Um, Mm-hmm. So it is interesting the influence they have. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, like an hour after the album was released, I saw the review at like one thirty in the morning or whatever. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it, it, you know, you can't listen to the album, or I couldn't at least, listen to the album without having in the back of my mind like, oh, Pitchfork called this album a perfect album. And so I'm trying really hard to like, as I'm listening, I'm trying not to search for that. I'm trying not to be like, oh, this is why they gave it a 10 or like, oh, I really disagree with Pitchfork. You know, like I'm trying to just have as much of a genuine experience about the record as possible. Um, And, you know, Deep Cuts on YouTube, great music channel. uh, They had a video kind of about that. The um, just the. Mm -hmm the amount of impact that critics and I guess public opinions can have on your opinion, uh, whether intentional or not. And it's, it's always a little bit subliminal. So do you think that seeing the 10 out of 10 impacted how you felt about the record? I mean, it definitely affected the way I listened to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. And I, and I I really liked how, you know, deep cuts broke it down because it's like, in a way, it is like there's a negative aspect to sites like Pitchfork throwing out their ten out of ten. It's an you know it's an awesome moment and it's cool to see people responding to it how they did and it's great that they loved it that much. But it kind of causes people to at times you know and I think that I on my on my first listen I, I was falling a little more victim to this was looking for aspects either why it's not it why they're wrong or Mm -hmm. why they're right Mm -hmm. like there's no you know there's it's just goes binary into like it's either a 10 or it's not and it's not you know it no longer becomes about like whether or not you enjoy this album it's about like whether or not you feel the same about you know about it as this publication did Mm -hmm. so yeah there's aspects to that are that are not great i think that overall it's really cool um, that they gave a 10 out of 10, but, you know, cause that's, a, that's an exciting thing in itself. We were like, Oh wow, that's so cool. We, you know, and it made me reflect about like last time mm-hmm. we saw them give out a 10 out of 10 and how excited we were then. Um, right. and I was excited to see it now too. And it made me, it made me really excited to listen to this album. Um, but in that same vein, it did cause me to kind of be like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, here it is. This is, you know, oh, Cosmonauts is awesome. That's why they, you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's it's so, frustrating because yeah. it's uh, that's almost unavoidable, for me at least. It's not the kind of thing where I can just shut out that knowledge. Like I almost wish I found that out after I listened to the record. <laughs> um, right, yeah. But I care too much about <laughs> about pitchfork. <laughs> yeah, and part of the for reason, whatever reason, you just keep going back. <laughs> yeah, it, well, and you know, I was going to listen to this record anyway because you know Fiona Apple, and we listen to a lot of music, and why would we skip over Fiona Apple? But yeah. 
there are records that like I look on Pitchfork and they give it like an 8.6 best new music and it's something I had never heard of before and never would have heard of if not for Pitchfork and I listen to it and I'm like oh thank you Pitchfork for introducing me to this new band um so that's part of why I still check it is because it's a great site for discovering new music um but yeah I just wish part of me was like or excuse me part of me wishes that I just would have gone into this album without any like knowledge that pitchfork had given this a, a 10 out of 10 because it, it's just yeah, something i couldn't avoid yeah yeah because the conversation ends up becoming like oh do you think this is a perfect album right and that, um, and i think and that's, that's a little that, unfair that's a, too yeah 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 it's a really hard it's a really hard thing to like ask of somebody because you know you're either negative or in agreement. Like there's no, you know, and that, and that, that doesn't make for a very good listening experience, you know, as opposed to just blindly listening to an album and taking, taking it for what it is. Yeah. And, and I don't mean to like project feelings on her or anything. Cause for all I know, she doesn't give a shit about any of this, but in a way, yeah, I, I, would imagine I, I couldn't help but think like, maybe there's a ton of pressure on Fiona Apple right now as like, you know, obviously, on one hand, there are people checking out this album that otherwise would not have listened to this album. And so that's a plus if you're Fiona Apple. But then if it's like not a 10, the backlash from the Internet is just, oh yeah, it's been relentless at, at times, too. And if like Pitchfork had given this an 8.3 or whatever, that backlash probably isn't as severe. Um, mm hmm. Yeah. And that shows their influence, too, because, like you said, multiple publications have given this album a perfect score. I think it's mm -hmm. still sitting at 100% on Metacritic, which is a false 100, but right. it, there's a lot of, of 10 out of 10s and 100s that this album's gotten. Mm -hmm. But it's because those other publications give other albums you know 10 out of 10s like every year and sometimes multiple 10 out of 10s every year right and pitchfork has held on to that card for so long you know it shows the amount of influence they have because nobody cares about you're right if they if all these other publications were to give it a 10 out of 10 and pitchfork was like 8.3 best new music nobody would care if you gave it right. a uh uh nine or an eight or even a seven mm -hmm. you know it, it it doesn't become about the content anymore it becomes about like do you feel about uh, as good about it as they did and if you don't then you're an idiot or you know you, you know if you like it you're also like you're um, a sheep just or, like, yeah or yeah you're cheap you're 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 i don't know what the you're you're like a pitchfork fanboy or something right yeah or oh that's just group think and you're not thinking for yourself or, exactly. or whatever yeah and um yeah and so you know it's just uh it's a bit unfortunate in a way that like a lot of the discussion about this album and we're talking about it now but a lot of the discussion about the album has been about the reaction to the album um and that's why I kind of wanted mm -hmm. to save this to the closer to the end of the podcast is because the story here is that Fiona Apple released a, a great album that we should just appreciate in its, in its, uh, by itself. Um, but everything mm -hmm. I'm seeing on Twitter is just like, Oh, well pitchfork overrated this album or, 
oh, well, Fantano's a hater. He's a misogynist or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. It, it feels like we're not talking about... We're already done talking about how good this album is musically, you know? I, I don't know. Yeah. It takes away from the conversation about the content, too, because at that mm-hmm. point, you know, you're not... You don't care about what they thought you just care about the score they gave and it's like that's kind of meaningless like you like unless you listen to or read or whatever however the publication puts out their thoughts but you you learn about like their thoughts like that the point is having a discussion and even if somebody hates this album i would really want to know what their reasoning is because this mm-hmm. album's so dense mm-hmm. that like there are there's tons of elements that you can pull out that you, you know, love or hate. I don't know, you know, I mean, it, it'd be hard for me to see like why you would hate this album, but I would really want to know because it's like, there's so many dense elements to this, that this warrants a discussion one way or another. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that basically what I'm saying is like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of toxicity around scores and opinions in the music community. Um, so people got to stop doing that and stop like just judging people based off of judging people's characteristics based off of how they, how much or how little they like an album and just like, yeah, like it or not for themselves. Right. Like, and not to go ahead. Sorry. I I was going to say like beyond that, I I do think the reaction for this has been overall like a really cool thing. Yes. Yeah. And that was the point I was just going to make is, um, like all in all, I think it's a net positive that we're all talking about this Fiona Apple record and that it's like as big of an event as it is, um, because it has had this like huge impact, um, especially among women, you know, who can relate to this record. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fucking awesome. Um, I will, the last thing I wanted to say, I guess about critical opinion before we go into our final thoughts, uh, I was listening to this podcast a couple of episodes or a couple of Jesus Christ. I live in a podcast world <laughs> where I refer to days as episodes, um, right. <laughs> a couple of days before the release of fetch the bolt cutters. Um, the podcast is a, a ringer podcast. Music exists uh, with Chuck Klosterman okay. and Chris Ryan. They did this entire episode on how music criticism and public opinion has like this huge impact. Uh, and they talked about like, uh, they used OK Computer as an example. And like every, mm-hmm. all the word at the time was that Radiohead's OK Computer is like a perfect rock album and it changes like rock history and all of that. Um, and so like they, when they listened to OK Computer the first time, they listened to it with that, you know, kind of perception in their head already. Um, and while they both loved the album, their first takeaway was like, well, Airbag, it, it, this is kind of a straightforward rock song. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. and so they kind of got into this thought experiment where what if Radiohead and Creed had the same (sighs) discography, nothing changed about their music, but the perception, the in the critical reception was reversed and everything like (laughs) said about OK Computer was actually said about (laughs) Creed's album in 1998 or whatever. Um, and they kind of tweak the language and stuff and they were just kind of like, how would we view those bands now if that was like the discourse then? And it's kind of silly, but it's also kind of fascinating to think about too. Um, yeah, it's true. That, that, that is true. I mean, there would be a complete reversal in opinion about, you know, 
and it may even shift the influence of uh how you know what like what modern rock bands sound like now too maybe they right. would sound more like creed instead of more like you know the framework that radio had laid out i, I think that nickelback was, read the okay computer that. review and thought it was creed and that's why they sound like they do now <laughs> right, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it was just kind of like an interesting they're like guys we gotta take advantage of this. <laughs> they're calling creed <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah, no. So I find uh, all of this critical discussion secondary to the Fiona Apple record, but uh, still kind of interesting to discuss uh, anyway. Um, yeah, and I've seen you know the last thing I'll see about fan reaction is like uh, there's kind of a double sided thing to this that I wanted to mention. Like um, on one hand, you know I think a bunch of like I don't think you're inherently like misogynist if you don't love this record, but I also don't think that. Um, you, I've seen a lot of opinions where it's like, oh, you only love this album because you're a woman and you're not like analyzing mm-hmm. it at all, you know, and I think both of those opinions are unfair and I've seen those opinions a lot. Um, it, it, I don't know. Yeah. It's just kind of the last thing I wanted to bring up, like how extreme musical no. discussion can yeah. get. So, well, I mean, and I would imagine that Fiona Apple herself would hate both of those Right. Um, ideas because on one hand if you're calling somebody you know like Fantano gave it a seven and he's getting a lot of hate for being a misogynist and stuff if you're calling somebody a misogynist just because they didn't like an album you're kind of taking away the severity of what misogyny is right. and kind of the reason why Fiona Apple wrote about the content she did and then on the other side you're being an, a, a misogynist and an asshole if you're just assuming women like Fiona Apple just because she's a woman. Right. You know, and people said this about to pimp a butterfly as well, where it's like, Oh, well you don't actually yeah, listen gosh, to yeah. it that much. Do you, you're just, you like this because you're trying to be woke or, or whatever, you know? And I, I thought yeah, that was bullshit at the white time. Guilt or, yeah. Yeah. And you know, like is Fantano a misogynist? I don't know the guy. Um, but I don't think the reason would be like, oh, well, he gave Fiona Apple a seven, so he hates yeah. women. I, like, I don't think that's a good enough reason to say it. Um, no, there's a lot more serious aspects to misogyny than like, I don't like this album. <laughs> like, and, and by the way, seven out of ten, that's a fair score. Or it's a good score. You know, like it means you liked it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there's just a lot of like negativity in the discussion around this album, which again is... Some it, it it's unfortunate because this is like the consensus album of the year at this point and it like an awesome record and uh, I think we can kind mm-hmm. of transition to final thoughts with that if if you don't mind. Yeah, perfect. I'm good with that. Yeah, so uh, I've got. I'll just go ahead and go. Why not? Um, I'm already talking All a right. lot and rambling. Um, so <laughs> I. <laughs> I love Fetch the Bolt Cutters, right? Um, it's it's a powerful record. Uh, it, like, left me and other listeners with some real, like, heavy-hitting moments, some real punches to the gut uh, here and there on the record. Lyrically, this is my favorite record of the year so far. Um, I already mentioned, like, the Purple Mountains thing, but that's the kind of impact the lyrics had on me. Uh, you know, there's a lot to like sonically as well. Uh, Fiona Apple's vocal delivery her unique approach to vocal delivery that demonstrates a lot of emotion but also some technical prowess as well um i think it adds a lot to the album uh the percussion um when 
when was the last time I enjoyed an album's like percussion front to back this much? I, I really don't know. Uh, it, it's just, I think, fascinating throughout the entire record. Um, we'll say, you know, I, I think this album could have benefited from an increased variety uh, sonically in the instrumentation. Uh, I think a couple of the songs here could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Uh, it doesn't end on the perfect note. But that about does it for my general complaints. Um, I think this is a great album, even if I don't see it as like a perfect album. Um, and that doesn't mean that Pitchfork is wrong or that you're wrong if this is like a 10 out of 10 album for you. And I don't think this album is like, I'm going to give it a score less than a 10, but I don't think it's overrated in any way. Uh, I just happen to not be on the same level of enjoyment as other people happen to be. Um but I, I love how much this album is reaching and impacting the people who can relate to it. Um, this album is like an event in that regard. Uh, I, I had a friend tell me uh, the day this album came out um, that Fetch the Bolt Cutters sounds like what it feels like to be a woman. And I think that's like an aw- mm. it's so awesome that a record like that can exist. You know, something that is that relatable yeah. to not only her, but like a lot of people have been sharing that general sentiment as well. Uh, I think that's great. So while Fetch the Bolt Cutters isn't my album of the year, I think we'll look back at 2020 uh, as the year this album came out. Um, and so I'm going to go... <laughs> <laughs> very, very like baseline aspect to it. <laughs> yeah, that's... 2020, that's the year that Fetch the Bolt Cutters came out. Yeah, I mean, it's like... Sorry, sorry, no. I, didn't, I didn't mean to like... No, 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 no. Stop no, you're right. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, 2016, musically, you know, I'm kind of in these sort of things. Blonde wasn't my favorite record that year, but, like, when I think of 2016, I'm yeah. like, oh, that's the year Blonde came out, I, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, anyway, yeah, not a 10 for me, not even a 9 for me, but close enough, mm. Uh, close, super close. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10, but it's closer to, like, an 8.7, you know, around there. Um, yeah. Hater. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my final thought. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Hater, 10 out of 10. No, awesome, awesome record. Yeah. Awesome record. Um, oh, it's that, great those, to hear a Fiona Apple oh, record oh. for the first time in eight years. You know, I don't think I even mentioned that, but I liked Idler Wheel a lot too. Uh, I'm just glad mm-hmm. we have new Fiona Apple. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that that that's true. That's that's uh, that's an event in and of itself. Just her right. releasing an album, regardless of the reception of it. Absolutely right. No, awesome, awesome thoughts. Those are fantastic. Thank I you. mean, yeah, I can't really add much more onto like the external aspects of that. You know, with the have the reception and the event aspect to it. I think you nailed that. Thank um, you. So, musically speaking, for me. Like, um, like I said, there's personal elements of like of dislike to this that I have that mostly come in the form of like acapella and DIY elements that I think are good ideas, but just not as impactful as um, I think that they could have been. I think that there's some like safe elements to the instrumentation. Um, other than that though, I mean, it's pretty freaking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Lyricism is 
like I said, I, it's hard to find a flaw in it all the way throughout the album. Even elements um, like we were talking about with these repeating elements um, that don't seem to go anywhere. They're, the conceptual aspect of it is captured really well because the lyricism is so good and her vocal delivery is so effective. Um, so that's another thing, too, is that Fiona Apple's character and her like personal emotion on this album is some of the best that I've heard from an artist in recent years. Um, she connects with the listener in a really visceral way on this, and it's very impactful. Whether, you know, and regardless of the elements that I think are kind of boring on this album, the elements that are great are some of the best moments that I've heard all year, for sure. And I'm and I'm uh, thinking that they'll probably continue to be some of the best moments all year. I mean, we'll see who else drops albums, but mm -hmm. it's hard to think that, you know, something other something will beat out like the intro track for, <laughs> you know, amazing instrumental moments. So, like, uh, you know, that being said, there's a kind of a roller coaster of like, ooh, I love this, uh, not so much um, instrumentally. But overall, I'm very, very positive about this. I really like that this came out. I, I love, I love, you know, how much people are talking about it. Love that there is some sort of, you know, regardless of the, the um, super high score that's been kind of agreed upon across the board there has been some sort of like discussion and disparity in in uh, how people feel and i like that that's at least being talked about you know whether or not you're approaching it in a healthy way or not by just like placing somebody into a box what um, of uh you know you're this because you like it you're this because you don't mm -hmm. it's good that the, the conversation's being had at all so I think that that's a really cool aspect to this album um, and that it's causing something like that. So we're in agreement on this score, though. Mm. 8 out of 10 for me as well. And even so much to the 8 out of 10 that, like, I would say it's, like, around your, like, 8.7, even, like, just inching out there to the 9, but just can't quite justify it. Wow. Um, well said, yeah. Patrick. Well said. I, I like your I like your thoughts a lot. Um, we're in agreement. Even if like some of our favorite songs are different, uh, and what we like mm -hmm. about the record kind of varies between the two of us. Uh, we're both still feeling the same uh, overall, I guess, in terms of just where we're at on the uh, ten point scale, which is really all that matters in music discussion, as we found out uh, over the past couple of weeks. Um, True. Yeah. <laughs> fuck actually reading the review. Just it's a ten, you know. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. and and who cares about listening to the album? Also, <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even considered that. Why? Why don't we just? Yeah. <laughs> why don't we just say, "Oh, Pitchfork gave it a ten. It's a 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did um, you listen to it? Why would I listen to it? They gave it a ten. <laughs> they did the work for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that, that's an 8 out of 10 uh, from both of us, a high 8 out of 10. And um, when we compile our album of the year lists at the end of the year, it's kind of looking like this might be one of the albums that um, we can agree on as one of the best records of the entire year. Our opinions often differ on that, but I think uh, both of us are pretty high on uh, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. So that's 
that's exciting. Um, thank you for joining me, Patrick. Uh, good podcast. Yes. Thank you all Great for discussion. listening. If you haven't listened to this album, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you should have stopped like 80 minutes ago and listened to this album <laughs> first. <laughs> Um, (laughs) I'm surprised if you're listening to this without having heard the record, but if you haven't, go do it. It's an awesome record. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, We'll see you next time. Peace.